If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at a, a couple of scriptures. Now, we're, we're going to read, first of all, in Matthew, if you would turn, and we're going to look at chapter, first of all, chapter 16, and let's pick it up in verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So we're in Matthew 16 and 13, and they said, now we're at 14, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah's, or one of the prophets. So we can see right away that we're in a gospel discussion about who Jesus is. Who do men think, who do they think I am? If you got word that someone was healing and blind eyes were being opened right now and you got word of it, people would be very, very interested in it. And that would be true of any generation, whether there's computers or, or not. And so verse 15 said, and he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And so the discussion continues. And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ. Now stay with me because I'm not reading this. I'm not teaching on who Jesus is, all right? You can see that I'm not. My title is right there in front of you. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, which I take to mean, now people have interpreted this so many ways. For example, the official Roman Catholic view of this scripture is that the rock refers to the Pope. He's, you're going to build the church upon the Pope and the authority of the Pope. They're, now, they're not far off in terms of building it upon the authority. They just That's the wrong authority. They're going to build it upon the authority of the word of God. That the truth, I'm going to build it upon the authority of truth. And the truth that is specifically in mention here, of course, is that Jesus is the son of the living God. Flesh and blood hath not revealed it. I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Everyone say, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give thee unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We'll, we'll let it uh, stop there. Now, what I want to talk about this morning in our lesson and our time together are scriptural principles about the growth of the church and growing because we are growing and there we are seeing there's a lot of pain sometimes with growing and there's a lot of things that we may not know for example if I had known certain things as I matured through the years now that I'm over a hundred years old I mean it's good to know as I look back that certain things were important but at the time I wasn't fully aware of it I, there were things I missed and for example, years ago, 
I, Sister French, we, I had worked through college several times, several different degrees, and, and I told Sister French, I just want you to know that I will never go into a PhD program. I'm not interested. I am not going into a PhD program. And said that for several years. I hope she's not in here. Oh, she's here. Hello, Sister French. So when I went into a PhD program, and began to realize that I really was interested years, as years went on. And I thought, you know, there'd become an age where I would say, I don't want to be in school, I'm no longer going to study, no longer going to do this or that, and it'd all be over. I really thought that was true. The fact of the matter was, I was mistaken. It became a part of my journey, my, my life, that, that I was going to enter into that kind of a program. And so I remember the first time I had to go in and say, honey, you, got, you need to sit down, and and I've got to I've got to tell you something. I'm I'm really feeling like I got to go into this PhD program, and it's not even in America; it's in England. <laughs> and she said, "Of course, by this time I had been hinting. You know, we men are real good at hinting." And so I had hinted around, oh, if I had, oh, the what if the Lord, you know, I just hinted for quite a while. Because we act like we're brave, but we are not nearly so brave as we, as we look. No, I'm just kidding. And so I said, I really feel this. I, I prayed. I can't get over it. I can't get past it. And she said, well, I know. Of course you are. I said, man, if I'd have known that it was going to be this easy. But that's what uh, life does, the, the process of growth. And so in an environment called the church, there are several things I feel like the Holy Ghost has been talking to me about that are important, and I consider them principles. So I'm going to give this a little try. Now, I wanted to read this to you this morning. I know you're not probably in the mood to just chat about stuff, but this little book here, Brother French, do you have this? Okay, Good to Great, it's been around for a good bit. And he's got other books. It's, I'm not promoting the book. I just thought the quote was good for this morning's lesson. Now, we could have left it out, but I decided to put it in there. And if you will look at the picture which I didn't take myself, but I did find it myself. And I did put it on this slide myself, all right? And I did all, I, I made everything on this, this entire lesson, of course, I always do. But the reason the picture is interesting to me in light of what I'm trying to teach today is that when you are growing, when you are going in the direction the Spirit wants you to go, and so I'm going to go back and remind you that I'm using a little play on words for the title of my lesson, so, so you all know the title of my lesson this morning, because thousands of people across the world are going to want this Bible lesson this morning. And that is, where are we growing. Now, some of you, you know, that you might think, well, I'm asking where 
are the areas of growth in the church. But that's not, I'm not interested in that. Although that would be, an, I, I'm interested in it, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, are we growing in Sunday school? Or are we growing? Or is it, is it the adult class? Well, I, I already know that. I already know where the growth in the church is and why we're seeing uh, numbers bigger here and, and so on and so forth. And now we've got a class. We have a number of Sunday school classes going on all at one time this morning and brand new classes going on this morning and so forth. And so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking, that's not the point of the lesson, nor is it the point of the title. It's really meant to be more like a play on words because we often will say, where are you going? And that means something like, where do you plan to end up? Where, what is your destination? And that's really what I'm talking about. Because growth can be a very dangerous thing. You can become so involved in growth, or let's say, what use the word growth? Just one way to talk about it. You can get so involved in being big and recognized and being the big church that you lose your way. So I'm asking you, where are you growing? Where are we growing? What are we growing for? Are we growing so we can brag about what we're doing? Are we growing and are we doing things because we really want to be up there, you know, and so well, that would be all the wrong reasons for having a church as far as I'm concerned. The worst thing that we could do is to hunger for the applause of the world. And then, oh, look at that big church. Whoa, look at that big church over there. Now, I know that there's glory to be given to God for everything that happens in the church. So don't, don't, don't take me wrong. Don't take me wrong. So where are we going? Now, that brings us to my choice of this picture. And I, I, I hope that's a real picture. I just hope I never dr- have to drive that road. That's almost like we, Sister French and I just got back from California a few weeks ago. And we were on a few roads that almost did look like that. Not quite. Oh. <laughs> we have a guest from California. What am I? <laughs> I'm sorry. But, you know, we were going along the coast, and, and it was very, very. I, now I'm, 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 everyone say, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, help me out here. So anyway, I don't know where this road is, but as far as I know, where I got this photo, that is an actual picture of a road. It's not, in other words, it's not been tampered with. It's an actual photograph of a road. And so it's interesting. I mean, it's not the average-looking road. And, of course, it's dark. It's meant to be dark. It's, I don't know how it looks up there. It's pretty hard to see in, in transferring from this computer to that screen. But someone is on it. looks like one lone, brave soul. And they're making their way down what appears to be a very curvy, I mean extremely curvy, windy little road. But the top priority in where you are going is that you be on the right road. Someone said, well, you need to take a route that's safer. You need to, and I, I, that's true. I think that's certainly true. So a lot of people in their rush to be big or in their rush to make people happy 
Everybody, oh, I love that church because of that. Oh, I love that about that. And what they're really doing is they're compromising things that are really essential to their destination. For example, they may compromise or, you know, there's different, I, don't, don't get mad at me. There's lots of ways to compromise. There's even more than one way to lie. If you're trying to deceive someone, I, I had someone one time say, I never said that, but, but it, it's, you didn't have to. The fact that you didn't say anything led me to believe you knew what I was thinking. Well, but I never said it. So they didn't out and out. See what I'm saying? They didn't out and out lie. But the end result was the same. They deceived someone because they couldn't face the fact of what, well, that was another deal. But the same can be true about our walk with God. Folks, I want to tell you something. We need to keep our hands lifted high and holy. We need to be saying, Jesus, it's all about you. It's not about how good we sing. It's not about how good we look. It's not about whether the governor and the mayor walk in here. What it's about is are we preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? And are we, or are we afraid to? Now we're in a generation where people are less and less worried about people that are emotional. They used to be they were. Like churches like us where we get loud and clap and sing loud and dance and stuff. That, that, that was weirdo stuff years ago. But not anymore. People, are, people accept that now. They're, it's like we've won the battle. Even speaking in other tongues. You'd be surprised the people that you can talk to about speaking in other tongues that used to would have said, uh, make sure he doesn't get back in here. That's how it used to be. Because anybody that believed in that kind of a thing had to be some kind of a whack, wacko. And you were just a little bit nervous. I'm not saying that people are just, oh, they just think it's wonderful. Some people don't. And we know that. But let me tell you something. The fastest growing churches in the, the, fastest growing churches in the world speak in other tongues. It has become popular the world over. Entire denominations have switched that didn't used to believe. In other words, it's not nearly as unpopular as it was at one time. But you don't do things just because they're acceptable and they're popular. In fact, living holy is going to be one of the most unpopular things a sinner could ever think about, but it's still necessary. You've got to live holy before your God, and you've got to walk in the Word of God. Now, so let's, let's go back and let's to talk about being on the right road. Now, Collins in his Good to Great, which is that little title, is about how to do better than you've been doing. You may be doing really good. And I think that's a good title because how many knows that even if, like let's say we doubled last year's attendance, all right? And let's say we doubled this year's attendance, say uh, for Easter's coming up next month. And let's say we, that we have an Easter attendance and have brand new people come that have never been here before. That would be awesome. And let's, I mean, I'm not trying not to give a number because I'm not talking about a number. I'm just talking about, let's say we succeed at that. And then suddenly, wow, the next thing you know, we have a thousand people. How many knows that this place would be completely packed if we had a thousand people? You couldn't even get a thousand people in this part of the building, in here. If we had every, every single place on the platform and every single seat here and every extra space, we couldn't get a thousand people in here. We might could 
Well, I don't know. We've never, I don't ever plan to try it because the fire people would be very unhappy if we packed that many people into this building. And if we opened everything up and, and one time Brother Cole said, well, you know, we planned and he was trying to tell me how they built that back there so something or other can come out and you pop it out and whatever. Of course, I'm a building genius, but so some way or other you could, you could do things and you could expand a building. And we all know that. Buildings can be altered and made to hold more people and so on. But even if we had 1,000 people in here, how many knows that then we'd want 2,000? How many know that's just the way it works? You would never say, okay, we're done. We're done, dear mayor. We're closing church. We finally got 1,000 people. We're done. See you later. Would you like to use this property for a park? People don't do that. Nobody does that. That'd be crazy. Because if I win a thousand people, my job is not done. If I win a million people, my job is not done. My job's not done till Jesus comes. Anyway, let's, let's read this quote. I, I'm going to have a hard time because I really am thinking about the concepts that I'm looking at here this morning. And some of you I know are thinking, oh my goodness, I, I only got half a cup of coffee. All right, here we go. Greatness does not always equal bigness. In fact, I would even go further than uh, Jim Collins is going there. And I would say that many, 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 many times that bigness has nothing to do with greatness. Just big, popular, rich, doesn't mean it's great. Some of the greatest moments in your life were not going to be in some big crowd somewhere. How many are just glad that God knows who you are, knows where you live? Praise God. I was in the hospital yesterday, and I couldn't help but think about it. I was thinking about the people who are facing things, and it just and I prayed for them. I had a. I'm, I'm not going to tell anything about it because I don't want to be telling people's stories that uh, that are ill right now. But but uh, I, all I could think of was that that God is here right now. I walked into the uh, a situation. I, I guess I am going to tell it. Try not to tell it so you know what I'm talking about. But, and, and I probably will tell it. You won't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so, and the presence of the Lord came in that room. I mean, it was just like we had built a cathedral as big as, as the mountains. God's presence was there. And those people, those people, I don't know. They're not part of my life. I've not known. never met them before in my life. And I walked into the, into the hospital room and the presence of the Lord comes into that hospital room. And all I could think of is, oh, what a mighty God I serve. Hallelujah, hallelujah. See, people who are craving fame or popularity. See, we're in the, I'm trying not to get negative about it, but, you know, we're in this. <sighs> young people carrying guns on the street because some stupid dingbat movie star made some movie that was cool. And you know, I just, I just, I can't handle it. Young people in prison right now who, who followed someone else who they thought was super duper and then they end up their life is wrecked. Or at least at the moment it appears to be. So the things of God are never what the world would think popularity and fame greatness does not always equal bigness big is not great and great is not big in fact the bigger you become 
the harder it may be to remain great. And so I use that quote for that right there, that last portion, that where are we growing? What, are, what is it all about? And if we don't ask these questions, so we, we have to ask these questions. What, what is it all about? And so I want to talk about that. I'm, I won't get real far, but let's see how far we can go. Now, I, I'm going to use a couple terms here from, look at these two books. I've talked about Ford's book before a long time ago called Transforming Church. In other words, now he, I, I'm, I'm using the book because of, I'm going to use his terminology. One, one day I was working, through, I, someone had told me a little bit about it, and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll look at that. And, and then I read it, and I was kind of like, whoa, that's, that, I really like what he's saying there. And he uses some terminology that I want to, I, I don't have a long time, but I want to refer to in this few moments here this morning. And one of them is transforming, and the other one is code. Could we say these two words together? Can we say transforming? All right. Which is just another way of saying change. If we're going to change people, that's really what he's talking about. But, you, you know, he's, he's brilliant, and he couldn't just say that. So he said transforming. And I like that. So people are transformed. I think that's, that's okay. And, and the other word is code. And that's the toughest one. Because that seems a little odd to say that you grow because of a code. But if, if you'll see, I've, I've taken a little deal and I drew a circle around. This is a list of the things he talks about in the book, which I'm not going to talk about. I'm just talking about, oops, I'm just talking about code and how it affects where we're going. And, and so I'm, I'm telling you, now you could read the whole book twice and have to try to figure out what's he mean by code. And what he means by code is a church's identity. And I feel like the Holy Ghost is helping us as an apostolic movement. We're growing fast. Our churches are growing. God is moving. How many knows it? He said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. We believe that. But with revival and with growth or with the blessing, with what God is doing, we have a responsibility to remain faithful faithful to who we are. And that's why this book was very, very interesting to me. And so I want to tell you a little bit about it because I've always known it was true. I've always preached it, but never with these words, never using these fancy words like transforming and code. Ooh, we have code. I don't use that kind of, oh, we have code. Every church has a code. Beep, 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 beep. Well, that's kind of weird. It sounds different. But all he means by code is an identity. And what he says is, they've researched churches, 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 churches. America's coming up on 400,000 churches in America. 400,000 churches in America. And then the world, I mean, just, just think of all the churches. And that's just Christian. We're not talking about all the other religions. We're just talking about churches. Christian churches, 400,000. And you talk about the Methodists and the Pentecostals and the Baptists and the Catholics and this one. And, and they've researched all these groups and they found that there's one thing that will destroy a church faster than anything. And that is if they lose their identity. So you need to think about that. Someone comes home and they say, you know, my husband I doesn't seem like the same person. Well, you better find out why. I may, may need... Uh, something but you know but it could be something else you better when when people start losing their identity 
then it becomes critical. Now, the other book, of course, is Barna, which is, well, let's just skip that. I'm not going to actually, uh, let's just skip that. Okay, so I want to talk about code for a few minutes. I've only got a few minutes, and, and so I'm going to keep going. Now, a church can reach lives and people when it understands its purpose, what it's all about. I mean, we have a reason for being here this morning. You're not, you didn't come to sit there and look at somebody. You came there because you have a hunger for the Spirit of God. Or you would have never come to a church like this. Because, hey, you never know when we're just going to start running down the aisle. I'm not trying to scare you. If you're brand new and you please don't. I'm not going to run down the aisle. I, I'm just telling you that when you come into an apostolic church, and this is called apostolic. Now, hey, if you thought this was Baptist tabernacle, you, you, you came in the apostolic tabernacle. I don't know where Baptist Tabernacle is, but it's not here. It's somewhere else. And if that's where you were trying to go, you need to realize you've just come into Apostolic Tabernacle. We have a purpose. And our purpose, one of our most important things, it's at the core of what we are, is that we entertain the presence of Almighty God. And so I get this all the time. I get it all the time. And I've got a lot I want to talk about, but I'm just, I'm just going to just talk. I just can't get it all in you this morning. I get people, oh, I never, oh, man, I never heard anybody preach like that. Never saw anybody run that fast, Brother French. Man, you, I, I, you, you're really excited. And I, I have to go think to myself, was I excited? And then I realized, oh, I probably was. I mean, it's just such a natural part of my life that we don't get up and just try to bore people with facts and knowledge and we have all the answers, everyone. I mean, I'm not making fun. It sounded a little bit like it, didn't it? I don't know anybody that sounds like that, so I'm not trying to make fun of them. That doesn't sound like any real human being. But we don't sit around trying to impress and trying to, you know, oh, who, who is he and what is he? Hey, I want to tell you something. God can take a life that has never even finished high school and do as much with that life if he chooses to, or he can take a man that owns a multi-million dollar business and use his, because we know a God that is able to get into the fabric of our lives. We know that he does. Praise God. And so we're not ashamed of it. I, I regularly have preachers and friends and different ones say, you, you, now you talk, you, you, talk, you talk in other tongues, right? Yes. And I know where it's going. I mean, it's all, it's all of course, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. Okay, so it's just what we are. We're not ashamed of it. If someone, I don't say, how dare you ask me, do I speak it? What are you trying to do, make fun of me or something? I don't do that. Why would I be ashamed of someone asking me, do I speak in other tongues? Yes, I, I do. I speak in other tongues. And sometimes, one time I was, I've referred to this many times, but I'm going to mention it. I was asked to speak to a group of Muslims. There were about 50. And they had told me that they were going to chew me up. Is that it, Sister French? Chew me up and spit me out? All right? And so I was going to go in, and so they were a little nervous about it. And I was a little bit myself, but... So I mentioned this the other day, but when I got into the meeting and we would, so I didn't wait for them to ask me. I just got right up and said, I, I speak in other tongues. And then they saw that I wasn't nervous about it, wasn't trying to, wasn't defensive about it. And I said, and I, so I, I began to talk about it. And one of the head guys just stood up. We were probably 
oh, I don't know, 20 minutes or more into the, into the, it was a college, and he's just stood up. They had told me he's the head of the, he's sort of the ringleader, he's the head of the group. I, I don't remember his name right off, but so I said, yes. And he said, um, and he kind of paused, and I said, wait, uh, don't, don't say it. And he looked kind of startled, because I think he thought that I was stopping him. And I said, no, 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 I mean, go ahead with your question, but, but I know what you're going to ask me. He got very, very unique look on his face. And, and I was trying to be careful because, you know, he, we were two different religious beliefs here. And so I said, no, 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 I don't mean that I read your mind. I didn't read your mind. I, I, I just know naturally what you're wondering, what you're thinking. What's, your, what's on your mind? I can tell because of our discussion. And he said, because it's so common. That's what I said. I was trying to alleviate him thinking that I had read his mind because I did not read his mind and the Lord hadn't revealed his mind to me. And so he said, well, what, what was it like that? What was your question? Or what was my question? And I said, well, you, you want me to speak in tongues? He said, yeah. Wow. No, I said, no, that, that wasn't anything super at all. I just know that that's the natural course of the mind to say, well, okay, if you can speak in tongues, why don't you speak in tongues? Just like if you say you believe in healing and then they're going to say, well, why don't you go? This is almost always what they'll say. Well, why don't you go into the hospital over there and just clear it out? See? So if God can heal one person, why, why, are there, why is there anybody sick in a hospital? See, that's what they want to know. And so that's a natural. The mind tends to work that way. And so because of that little moment, in the, I was the only, well, no, there was a couple other Christians, but everybody else were Muslim. Because of that little moment in that college classroom, the presence of God just flooded that room. And I stopped and I said, I told a couple of th- little miracles that had just recently happened to Sister French and I. And I told him, I said, no, you have to believe me because I could lie. I could be a big liar. But I'm telling you, this happened. I'm telling you right now. And they were like, wow. Wow, that happened? And I said, yes, it happened. And I said, that's because we don't believe that church is about a bunch of facts and a bunch of knowledge. It's about a, the presence of God. And then all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord. I said, I, said, I went like this. And I said, now, now, everybody, everybody, do you feel? Do you feel what just moved into this room? And a bunch of them were shaking their head. I said, that was the presence of God that just came into this room. And there's only two or three Christians in here. And I said, yet the presence of the Lord came in here just now. I told how God had uh, healed. And and I was telling them about uh, different things that God had done. Miracles that God had done. And they were moved by those miracles. Praise God. Folks, I want to tell you something. We need to never let go of what God has done for us. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise God. Let's stand. Let's stand. We've got to get out of here. Well, we're going to talk more about keeping our identity and growing. Praise God. Because we're going to grow, but we've got to grow by keeping our identity. And if we do, then we're going to see the greatest revival in the history of this city. Could we just lift our hands and thank the Lord before? Father, before they come, we thank you right now for your blessing, for your spirit. We thank you for what we feel, Lord, and for your presence that's here right now. We ask God that you would minister to our hearts and our lives. 
And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.